21CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. Great to have you here today. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and you are listening to The Education Vanguard. Today on The Vanguard, I have Dan Edwards. He's the founder, or one of the founders, of the Parkour Generations Group. We're going to talk all about parkour today. You may be familiar with parkour, an increasingly popular discipline that emphasizes efficient movement based on our individual skills and abilities. You might have seen hordes of young people giving it a go. What you might not know is that parkour is coupled with a mental discipline behind it that sinks the challenges that parkour presents. Today, I speak with Dan Edwards, one of the founders of Parkour Generations. Their organization helps spread the parkour movement globally through awareness and dynamic certification programs to help PE teachers bring parkour to their curriculums. Enjoy the conversation. Dan Edwards, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Pleasure to be here, Michael. Thank you. Well, hey, who doesn't want to talk about parkour? I know I do. And I'm just going to go ahead and let's pretend that somebody had been living in a cave for the last 25 or 30 years. They come out and there's these (laughs) kids or even adults like yourself doing parkour. What is parkour? What would you tell them if they were to ask you what's going on? So parkour is is really a movement practice um, based on using the the fundamental motor skills of the human body, running, jumping, climbing, swinging, crawling, rolling, vaulting, um, in order to navigate your terrain uh, and develop your body and mind. Well, that's a pretty simple explanation. And where does it come from? From what I understand, there's it's just sort of about flow and efficiency and movement. Yeah, I mean, you can go, um, you know, that's a very basic sort of um, description. And then you can go much deeper into it, obviously, with um, with the concepts that underpin it and and, um, uh, and those kind of um, philosophies as well that are, that, are, that are inherent in the art. And very much that it is about, um, I mean, it, it's probably best described as a transformative practice. So it's a it's a it's a practice through which you learn to understand yourself. Really, you come face to face with yourself. Um, both physically and mentally in terms of you'll you'll encounter your fears and sort of psychological limitations and inhibitions as well, um, as well as your physical limitations and and the the, the reality really of what your body can do, not not sort of what it can train to do in terms of arbitrary movements, but what can it actually do? Can it actually get you around? Can it get you over this terrain? Can it get you up there? Can it get you down there? Um, So you sort of become very, it it builds a lot of self-knowledge, both physically and mentally. um, And that that is what makes it that the transformative practice and that you can transform yourself through the practice of it. Um, so there's a lot of concepts, especially yeah, the, fl- the, the flow state concept um, in terms of that, uh, that perfect alignment of body and mind, um, is, which is seen in obviously in every or is, is uh, sought after, I suppose, in every sport, um, but is, is very much um, perhaps more easily accessed in some of the uh, what are sometimes called adventure sports or, or lifestyle sports like parkour um, because of the various triggers that they have that, that sort of lead to the flow state. So it's interesting you're talking about the mental aspect to it. So when I see, let's say, students, so as a middle school teacher myself, I'll see this is popular with that age group. And to me, it's popular in the same way that skateboarding was or is popular. But you're talking about a, a mental aspect to it. So is it almost like a martial art in that aspect where you're learning the, the mental side of it as well as the uh, tremendous physical challenges that go along with it? 
Yeah, it's often compared um, to um, the discipline of the martial arts. And, and in some ways, there's a lot of overlap. Um, and obviously, my background is, is quite heavily in the martial arts before I came to parkour. So um, uh, and for me, I can see that there are you know clear overlaps. Uh, and I suppose there are in, in any kind of true transformative practice, you can you can see you see a lot of similarities, um, but certainly the 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 discipline that that is required to carry out parkour and the the alignment of body and mind that's required to pull off those those movements um, uh, is very similar to to what's required in in the martial arts. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, where does it come from? The the mental aspects. When you look at martial arts, uh, there's this. It's rooted in many years, you know, tens of thousands or whatever years of history. But parkour is relatively new. So how did it develop the the mental side? And is it the same if I was going to work with somebody in the UK or the somebody in Hong Kong? Would it be similar, the, the mental aspects and the way they look at it? Yeah, the mental aspects are going to be uh, are fairly similar. The psychological elements of parkour are fairly similar no matter where what community you encounter around the world. And the, re- the reason is um, really because uh, it, it's, an, it's not that they're necessarily – taught as part of the discipline in terms of you know a dogma or um or a uh, a code that you have to learn or anything like that it's it's really that the, the practice of of a discipline like parkour um intrinsically uh, engenders them it requires you to have that alignment of body mind it requires you to um to to understand yourself quite deeply to be able to to carry out these these movements and undertake these challenges because it's 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 pretty tough it's physically pretty tough to to practice um, and it really requires all of you because the movements you're you're practicing are um, are, are quite holistic. So mm-hmm. you, you really need to be very focused when you're doing it. And that level of focus um, naturally brings about the sort the same sort of um, concentration uh, and attention that is required for the flow state. The same it brings about the same kind of psychological state that martial arts want to bring about in you anyway. But in some ways, it's it's probably more effective than the martial arts in that. In the martial arts, uh, you you want to have that state of mind, mm-hmm. um, and and that's and it's it's aspired to. But in disciplines like parkour and like some of the other adventure sports, like maybe you know motocross or or wingsuiting or any of these kind of adventure disciplines, um, it's it's not that you aspire to that mental state. You you need to have that mental state in order to carry out the practice. So so it it, it sort of automatically puts you in a flow state. Um, so in some ways, it's it's a more efficient uh, way to access that state of mind than than the disciplines that just just aspire to access it because you kind of need to access it in parkour. So um, so it's very holistic in that sense, um, and that's probably why it's it come you know it's created the same psychological depth I suppose in its fairly short life um, when compared to yeah the thousands of years of martial arts. Yeah, sure. So well, we'll have to talk in thousands of years and see where it ended up going. well along the way you know what you're pushing it and and working to to have is to see it more common in schools and say physical education departments and how what how is that going i mean we talked before the show that it's the early years and what's the initial reception when you suggest to people hey this should be part of your physical education department or curriculum uh, it's, it's it's going very well. I mean, uh, as I said, we've been teaching in the schools in the UK. We started teaching in the UK schools in, I think, 2000. And, in fact, even before we were a company um, uh, in 2006, I think, was when we began teaching in the UK schools. Um, and um, it was received very well. And we've 
since uh, I think taught in probably about 350 to 400 schools in the UK. Um, and that was just the UK. So we now, and we now have branches obviously that teach in the States in South America in, mm-hmm. in, in East Asia um, that all also run um, programs in schools. So um, generally it's, it's now very well received. It took some time. Uh, and initially it was only the schools who were kind of um, bold enough to try things that are sort of outside of the traditional remit. Right. Um, but, but so so that kind of took a bit of it took a bit of time to to convince some schools and uh, that that it would be a good thing and they had to see the training and understand and then they jumped on board. But but now that process is a lot easier because it is a, an officially recognised sport in the UK. So um, and that's having a knock on effect in many other countries. But in the UK now it's it's just as it's just as um, uh, official here as say football or rugby. So any mm-hmm. any school can now um, apply to have it as part of their curriculum. Can now add it to their curriculum um, and and bring it into the school um, in on an official basis. So so it's made it a lot easier. But yeah, it took it took a, took a fair amount of, of time and and um, and effort and just showcasing that the training and the practice of it is you know one obviously safe and two incredibly beneficial for young people and, and actually probably exactly what kids should be learning before they go into specialized motor skills they should be learning sort of general physical readiness general physical preparation and 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 that is normally done really well through a constraints-led method of practice like parkour so it's actually kind of a kind of a grandfather discipline that if you raise kids doing this sort of thing, which is obviously just the derivation of play in a way, sure. if you if you allow them to keep doing it, they they will grow up physically very coordinated and having those basic attributes that they can then apply to any other sport very easily. So what do you think makes it so popular now or becoming at least more popular in school? So I can imagine the PE teachers would be interested in it and maybe it's the mental aspects that uh, the supervisors appreciate and go forward with. But what do you find people are saying it keeps it going and keeps it popular in the schools for them? Uh, I think it's a combination of two things. I think one, yes, as you say, it's the, the, the staff see how the kids react to it um, and they see all the obvious benefits and not only the physical benefits of the, of the, of the activity and how energetic it is uh, and the variability of the movement in it, but also the, the sort of psychological elements, the resilience, the problem solving, the lateral thinking, those kind of elements that, that have to be, that you need when you practice parkour. So, so I think the, uh, the physical education world looks at it that way and goes, yes, this is good, but it's also, um, kept popular in schools, but just by the fact that the kids love it, um, and they, they want to do it and they turn up and they, um, will put, you know, throw themselves into the discipline. Um, and, and, and I suppose another really important aspect is that it engages a lot of the time it engages kids who are not at all interested in the traditional competitive sports, which is in the ah. UK, certainly more than 50% of kids in all schools in all year groups mm-hmm. have no interest in traditional competitive sports. So you've got to find other ways to engage those kids. And and a lot of those kids really are very happy with think something like parkour because it isn't competitive and because it doesn't have set patterns of movement that you must be able to do and you must have a certain body type for, for example, mm-hmm. um, which you do, which you, in a lot of the other sports, you do need to have a certain body type to, to excel at it. Um, in parkour, you don't. Um, and that, because uh, it's very individualistic, it's very much based on your body, your your movement and, and what's best for you. Okay. So a lot of the kids therefore are drawn to that. Um, and I think that's what keeps it really popular with that, that large, um, you know, demographic. So can you see it becoming uh, competitive in the future that I would go to a parkour tournament to watch my students compete? 
Uh, well, there already are uh, competitions based on parkour that have, oh. I mean, there have been since probably 2008. A lot of the, I think the first one was organised by Barclay Card in the UK. So a lot of the, a lot of the big big brands kind of wanted to jump in on it. Um, and Red Bull ran a competition for about 10 years annually, um, which has just stopped, I think. But um, uh, so a lot of the big brands wanted to, uh, obviously, to kind of um, utilise parkour in a way to uh, normally for commercial purposes so that, and the first thing they thought of was competition so there have been competitions but um but they're pretty much uh, uh they're not really embraced by any of this any of the serious parkour community in the practicing parkour community and certainly the teaching parkour community don't really embrace those things very much um because they're seen as it's seen as kind of counterproductive i suppose um and and in some ways counter philosophical um right. in a way to the to, to the core of parkour in that it's it's not about beating other people or or um uh, or you know you can't really be better you can't be better at um parkour if it's if it's about self-knowledge and if it's about improving yourself and improving your own movement capabilities you can't really say that this person is better than that person because there's such distinct ways of moving so so in some ways it's it's kind of arguably impossible to compete in parkour yeah it's interesting <laughs> you know when you have a movement like parkour it's like at some point who owns the movement and you know you're you're pushing it in one direction and then somebody else might be pushing it in a competitive direction and those two might conflict a little bit uh, i did want to ask about oh, yeah. uh access in the schools or at least maybe some resistance you might get so so i'm 50 years old for example and if i'm a pe teacher odds are i probably never did parkour and i might mm -hmm. be like hey it looks great but I wouldn't have any idea how to teach it. And I have a sense there's, you know, with the ADAPT program and other stuff, this is actually something you address. So tell me about that. Like, how do you, how do you help a teacher who thinks it's great, but just has no idea how to do it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly the, um, the point of the parkour for schools, um, program and the staff training, the instructor programs we do with that is, is exactly that. It's, um, it's how do you, um, if you've never trained in this and you've never seen it before, maybe, and 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 certainly it wasn't there when you were young. Um, how do you how do you sort of learn enough about it to introduce it um, and have it practiced um, yes, by exactly. the, the pupils in the school? So a lot of the program is exactly about that, and it's really a question of one understanding what it is, two understanding the parameters of constraints led practice, and the fact that you don't. If you're teaching a constraints-led practice of movement, you don't actually necessarily need to have skill in the discipline itself. You just need to know what the right constraints are. Um, and if you can set up those constraints, then then the kids can practice it without having demonstrations. Um, and that's that's the nature of constraints-led movement. It's about it's a really about problem solving. So um, a lot of our program is about teaching the, what are the constraints, how do you set up the right kind of training protocols, um, and and then providing loads of, loads of resources uh, and support around that. So materials, schemes of work, lesson plans, um, and also uh, technical resources as well in case people want to, a lot of staff do, really want to get into it and learn some of the techniques so they can actually demonstrate the the, the biomechanics around them. Um, so there's a whole lot of that, uh, those materials that go with the program. Um, so, and it's, it's really a case of, uh, having distilled the knowledge that we've gained from teaching in schools for the last sort of 12 years um, uh, and understand how that can be passed on and, and the programs do that. Great. So if I wanted to get involved, I could work through your organization, Parkour Generations, for example, and then I'd have a working program that I could get going with. Yeah, yeah. So our parkour for schools program is 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 exactly that. It's a it's a it's a, a training program that provides resources and support um, and schemes of work to deliver in schools. So and that that operates in several countries around the world. 
um, and is, is growing all the time. Well, Dan, I wanted to ask about you a little bit. So, you know, parkour hasn't been around forever. How did you get involved and what attracted you to it to the point where so much of your career now is involved in it? Yeah, it's kind of a weird story, I suppose. Um, but um, uh, I was studying, I mean, I grew up studying um, the martial arts uh, and fighting disciplines sort of really um, fanatically, I suppose, um, and practical sort of seeking out practical skill sets. And uh, I guess I grew, I guess I grew up with um, with 80s sort of martial art movies and action hero movies and, and was heavily influenced by that. And so I wanted to nice. acquire all those all their skills. Um, and and just carried that training on as I became an adult. I went to university and and studied Japanese and and various things, and then ended up living in Japan studying um, martial arts over there. Ah, cool. Um, so uh, which which was about for about five years. Um, and then while I was there, oddly, I I encountered parkour uh, in a movie in the year two thousand, um, which was the which was released only in cinemas in in France and Japan, ah. which was called Yamakasi, which starred the um, the founding practitioners from france um and that was already turned me on to it and i kind of could see that the way they were moving was something pretty incredible and i could see they weren't standard stuntmen and they weren't um they weren't using wires and ropes and effects they were actually doing these movements and that that really interested me because i'd never seen people move like that um and i never i didn't really realize that humans could be that capable with their movement so so i kind of um looked into it, found out what it was. There was a tiny forum online in French. You know, there were maybe 50 people in the world practicing it back then. Okay. Um, uh, if that actually, um, and just saw them out, uh, and, and realized that it was kind of a, in a way, a gap in my own training in the, in that I wasn't that, I wasn't as capable, um, you know, in movement terms as those people, uh, and, and certainly psychologically not as, capable of sort of mastering fear and and um and and therefore being able to be quite free in your in your environment in in the same way that they were so so i wanted to acquire those skills and and i sought them out and started training and that was that really i mean wait a minute this is interesting here because you're saying you came from this long martial arts background which there's a lot of mental discipline attached to that but you felt that parkour took it to another level then that that seems surprising to me again that it doesn't have this long history the way everything else does yeah, absolutely. But it, um, it's, it's, again, it's not to do with the fact that it's not, it doesn't need a history for that. It just needs, it's just the practice itself. So the, the, you know, just the first time I went out to practice parkour was in Japan with two of my friends and we, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were trying to mm-hmm. sort of, um, imitate, imitate stuff we'd seen on some videos streamed from the French guys and, and some, some online conversations with them. So, you know, we, we just went out and tried to practice it. And that, um, it, that, uh, experience was the first, I mean, we didn't know what we we're doing back then. We certainly don't teach people like this now. But the first <laughs> jumps I did back then were, you know, they they were um, they had element of risk to them, and uh, uh, you know, I felt afraid. I, I felt fear, and I hadn't really felt afraid for a long time. I'd become very comfortable in in the combative sphere and, and in fighting, and so I wasn't really that didn't really scare me anymore. That sort of stuff. So, and then suddenly I felt this fear again, um, and you know, you're kind of heart thumping and thinking. Okay, this is, but I know I could do this move. I know I can make it. I know I can make that jump. I know I can climb up on the other side. I know I'm physically and technically capable to do that. But my mind is now blocking me. And it was a question then of, of really of thinking, well, do I want, do I want to be in charge of my movement or do I want my fear to be in charge of my movement? And I wasn't really uh-huh. happy with the fear being in charge. So, so I, I sort of broke through it and did the jump. And, and after that, realized, okay, this is a real test 
of your abilities. This is a real world test of one's abilities, uh, physically and mentally in your alignment. What what can you actually do with your body? Not what you can talk about, not what you can train, not how much weight you can lift, which are fairly, in some ways, arbitrary movements. But what can you actually, you know, navigate your terrain with your body um, and and master it and master yourself in, in that way? And and that for me was a new type of test and a, and a, and a more uh, authentic test than the, I suppose, the, um, uh, the, the often, uh, sanitized test, mm, sanitized mm-hmm. test that you get in the martial arts. Um, because obviously you can't really test yourself in fighting arts, right? Unless you actually fight or, or, or get into an MMA right. ring, I suppose. So, <laughs> um, so, but even that is still sports. So, so this was, a, this was a test of a, of a new level. And, and that, um, that for me was, uh, you know, immediately I was hooked after that. So, Dan, we're heading towards the end of our time here, and I always like to ask a, a future question. And so, you know, if we're going to talk 10 or 15 years out about parkour, where do you hope it will be as far as it's, let's say, in schools and just general popularity? And where do you expect it will be? I wonder if those two will line up. Hmm. Difficult, yeah, difficult to know in terms of expectations because, you know, we had no when – we, when we started um, teaching uh, – well, when we started training and then teaching – we had no idea that it would um, reach this stage and be a recognized sport and, and um, you know, with, with millions of practitioners. I mean, there are twice as many practitioners of parkour in the UK as there are skateboarders now. So um, so we, we had no idea it would get that big. So in terms of expectations, that's hard to know. Um, but w- where I hope it will be is um, I, I hope that it will be a much more commonplace um feature and activity for kids to act to for kids to access in schools around the world um and the reason i say that is because i think that one we need a huge amount more um physical activity going on in schools and physical literacy um and two we need um uh we need we need activities that that are uh, I suppose more holistic in their in their development and more more about this general physical preparation and the specific stuff um, to create really competent um, you know healthy uh, move young movers uh, who can then go on and become competent healthy older movers and um, <laughs> and perhaps stave off all the uh, all the all the sort of problems we're seeing today of sedentary lifestyles and you know obesity and heart disease and and all these sort of things that they really come from inactivity, most of them. So, so I really hope that it'll be that it'll be much more embedded in the school system. Is it's in hundreds of schools now, but I hope it's in you know tens of thousands of schools um, by that time, and and making a really big impact. All right, Dan Edwards, thanks so much for your time today and for sharing all the information about parkour and its future. Thank you very much, Michael. Pleasure. This interview was brought to you by Twenty First Century Learning International. Find us on the web at Twenty One CL Radio dot com.